I'm Keith Johnston, your host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the latest market dynamics impacting executives and their customers. Today, we're joined by Principal Analyst Sarah Watson to discuss the responsible and ethical technology strategy. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, thanks for having me. So Sarah, you go bold out of the gate by saying technology has a trust problem. So as soon as you say that, we have to uh, assume that it implies some level of risk and there are some stakeholders that need to really pay attention to this. Set the stage for us. What do you mean technology has a trust problem? Yeah, that's been the core question, right? Are we talking about the tech industry itself? Are we talking about uh, tech brands? Of course, big tech has been in the headlines. Or are we talking about the technologies themselves, right? Are we talking about AI? Are we talking about the blockchain? Are we talking about the metaverse? Uh, or any of these more kind of historical uh, applications of technology? And I think the answer is all of the above, right? Um, all of these things have been uh, having trust issues in the last couple of years. And it's not just this kind of academic question about, you know, what are the impacts of technology and, uh, you know, circa 2010 to 2016, I think these questions were being raised uh, in social sciences. Uh, but now we're starting to see it in the public consciousness, whether it's showing up in um, hearings in Congress or headlines. Um, these are the core questions that we're running into. And I think, of course, the pandemic has kind of accelerated all this digital adoption, but we're running into this question of, you know, well, how much do we rely on technology and therefore how much is it impacting our lives and kind of having an, a huge impact on uh, everyone's well-being? So what are the, some of the things out in the market that are happening right now that's, that should make consumers or even employees, you mentioned that in your report too, like pay attention to this? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we can look at the headlines, of course. There's all this discussion about misinformation and disinformation, algorithmic uh, filter bubbles, and that's just kind of in the, the social media side of things. There's also all these discussions about bias inherent in AI, whether it's in the training data sets or the uh, models themselves. Um, of course, we're running into all these questions about privacy concerns and kind of the extractive business models that are, you know, coming out of uh, data-driven business, right? And as we shift towards first-party relationships, you know, all these new companies are uh, contemplating ways that they can monetize their data as well. But of course, that changes the relationship between the user and that first-party uh, context. Um, and then, you know, we have the whole bucket of emerging technology dystopia, right? Facial recognition, algorithmic decision-making, self-driving cars, like it's the whole range, right? So it's, it's everything from where is your cloud server uh, located and what kind of data um, subpoenas might they face in, 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 the, in the face of, you know, the Dobbs decision to... Uh, to, you know, the future of what the metaverse is going to look like. We've got survey data that suggests that 46% of U.S. adults said that if Meta or Facebook was running the metaverse itself, um, that they don't want to participate. And that's even more true uh, for our um, category of skeptical protectionists. 57% of those people would not want to adopt the metaverse if Facebook was running it. And so we we come up against this question, you know, Facebook changing its name to Meta is this moment of trying to dis, 
disaggregate and kind of distance itself from its brand issues that it has established uh, to be able to pivot and kind of um, go off in this new direction. And that's really because technology is synonymous with that brand. And I think that's becoming true for a lot of different companies, right? Like we just saw John Deere uh, getting hacked uh, live on stage uh, you know, that's a digital, uh, that's a company that you wouldn't think of as a technology company, right? But it is, you know, in this shift towards digitization, we are inextricably tying uh, the technology to all of these digital experiences. And therefore, you know, the brand itself has uh, has implications for for how the technology is used and, and what its its risks are. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I mean, with Facebook, I mean, really, is it this trust issue is almost synonymous with the Facebook brand. So they needed to change Facebook to Meta, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, Sarah, it's so interesting. We're talking about um, brand synonymous with trust, trust being a challenge for businesses. But again, I want to link it back to the technology piece of this, because you're explicitly saying that people have less trust in tech. And if that's true, it's everybody's problem because technology is everywhere. Can you say more about that? Absolutely. We're seeing drops in overall trust in the industry. I think there are lots of metrics that have been tracking um, trust in the technology uh, industry itself as a whole. Um, and that has dropped over over time, especially you know post 2016. Um, and, you know, we're also talking about trust in specific technologies, right? So uh, the very nature of blockchain is, is based on this idea that there is no trust. And so you have a, a system that is a protocol that is distributed and you don't have no one has to trust that uh, the system will be working because it's decentralized. And of course, that's not actually how the market is developing. But in as a principle, that's that's kind of the design of this system to uh, get out of these uh, um, walled garden structures that uh, consolidate power, right? And so, you know, I think everyone from uh, consumers to um, employees are, are thinking carefully about their relationship to technology. Yeah, so blockchain is really a, a technology that um, basically inherently removes bias or trust issues because it's an exchange of data. That's a tra transaction, and it kind of removes the parties out of out of the loop. But when we talk about AI, which is probably the extreme. Uh, technology when it comes to this, it's people putting bias in the AI or people making decisions with what the AI knows or it doesn't know. Um, what are some examples that we need to pay attention uh, in, in the AI space? Sure. I, I go back to the very uh, famous example of Amazon trying to solve its hiring bias problem and then kind of re reinstantiating its hiring bias problem because they were modeling based on culture fit. And, you know, turns out that they were uh, valuing things like uh, or devaluing things like 
women's volleyball showing up on uh, someone's resume. And that's really based on the historic bias of the data set that they were jumping off from, right? So you have this tool that you think you're going to be kind of removing bias from the system by removing people decisions, but the historical data uh, reintroduces those those uh, issues. And so, you know, that's a kind of a constant rampant issue in AI if we're talking about uh, all of these systems based on training data that is based on historical fact. And, you know, you're just perpetuating these historical biases, right? So you can't have systemic change uh, without uh, introducing a new thing that you're targeting or, um, or, you know, changing what the data set is. And this has really kind of clarified for a lot of people that all technology has these bias issues, right? Humans are always involved in the structure and the design of technology. And that means that human choices are always involved, right? So the, the idea that data is objective, uh, I think is, has been really being called into question, right? It is a reflection of the things that you value, of the things that you want to track. Um, it is a reflection of, you know, the, the assumptions that you make, right? And so all of those decisions are human decisions. And so I think AI and kind of the privacy landscape has really helped articulate that, that these are human, in fact, human decisions. And we're kind of extending that out to the rest of the ecosystem to say, oh, wait, like cloud infrastructure is also embedded in human decisions and geopolitical uh, issues. And so, you know, there is nothing... Ultimately, this leads to a discussion about whether technology is neutral or not. And I, I would argue that technology is is not neutral because of all of these human decisions baked in. Yeah, so interesting. So um, would you suggest that the technology needs to be making the decisions for the humans or can the humans really get their arms around this and make good decisions with technology? So I always lean on the idea that technology doesn't exist in a vacuum. And there are always, uh, I go back to Lawrence Lessig's structure for regulating technology, which is not just law, it's not just policy. It is the code limits what you can do. Uh, cultural norms can limit what you do. And the market itself can also be a regulation uh, tool, right? Competitive advantage, right? Uh, you can say that you know privacy becomes a competitive advantage if these values-driven uh, consumers are actually making decisions based on that. If we acknowledge that all four of those things are operating in in terms of our relationship to technology and how uh, we govern it and we we think about how it's applied, then we're kind of uh, acknowledging that these things don't don't happen in isolation. So it's so interesting. We're talking about like a whole set of choices that the humans need to make. Um, one would uh, assume that technology executives need to pay attention, but I want to take it a click above um, CEOs around the globe that are responsible for their employees and their consumers. Um, why should they pay attention to this and what should they be doing? Absolutely. Well, and I think I would take it even one step above that. Right? Boards are starting to have to care about this, right? It, it To me, it falls into the ESG um, kind of push towards understanding the impacts on stakeholders, not just customers, but actually entire you know, populations and governments and all of these other stakeholders who have, have an interest in the use of technology. And so, 
you know, because we're talking about brands being synonymous with, with technology, we're getting into this area that, you know, CIOs, CTOs have focused on, you know, historically in a traditional sense, you know, the back office, you know, the core stakeholder was the business itself, business users, kind of employees. Future fit and modern companies have understood that technology is a driver of business and you're kind of focusing on uh, the the end customer and, and really getting closer and closer to that digital experience that, that users are involved with. Um, I would argue that we're kind of pushing into an age of stakeholder orientation, which is focusing on not just customers and shareholders, but actually extending that to this wider and wider range of, of, of stakeholders. And so if you think about the application of an underwriting algorithm or an underwriting AI system, right, that is making a determination about who is and isn't a customer, right? Are you going to insure this person? Are you going to give this person a mortgage? Are you going to give them a credit card? And those are still, you know, as a company and as a business objective, you're making a decision about, you know, is this going to be a profitable customer, right? But there's still a next level implication of like how that is excluding that particular person from a credit market or, or you know, uh, an opportunity. Uh, and so we really have to think about the, the larger implications of, of these, the applications of these tools. And so I think that's where we're, where we're headed. But thinking about the larger implications and the way you explained it sounds a bit utopian. Um, because right now, if we just look at the economic turbulence that's out there, we have a changing global economy. There's a lot going on that this idea of, you know, an, an ethical tech strategy may be deprioritized. What's at risk if that happens? Should they not deprioritize it? I love this question because I think it's really easy to to say, you know, the ESG efforts, the the kind of diversity and inclusion efforts just go by the wayside uh, when you are facing pressures and you really, really refocus on your core uh, value. But I think you can't talk about value without values. And so, you know, ethical and responsible technology strategy is really um, articulating those values and kind of tying, you know, things like purpose back into the technology equation. And so I think it's it's super important to, to keep that in mind. I would also say, you know, we understand technical debt as being a huge problem for for technology leaders, right? Technical debt gets in the way of innovation, right? And so if you think about that, you know, what is what is the ways that we're moving fast and breaking things in, in an agile framework if you are really truly adopting all of these kind of uh, Silicon Valley frameworks for um, development and application kind of architectures? Uh, you know, how much are we running into these <laughs> these same problems that Facebook created, right? Like they were moving fast and breaking things and never looking back. And so that starts to accrue. Um, and we are really seeing the uh, the the cost of that as a as a society and as a as a um, and the cost to to Facebook itself as a company. And so, you know, take that and apply it to your context, right? Like what are the costs of 
not paying attention to these questions if you are kind of pushing forward and if you're putting technologies out there that, you know, have a certain assumption about how they're going to be used and applied and you're not really taking the full account of how bad actors could could use them or how other populations that you're maybe not considering are are going to use them as well. Cool. So make this super tangible for us. What brands out there are taking this really seriously and what are they doing? Sure. Well, we're seeing the most mature activity happening in the um, high technology and service provider uh, context, right? Of course, those are the companies that are developing the technology. And so they have the most robust um, approach to uh, ethical um, development and, and responsible innovation principles. Um, they're also starting to kind of operationalize those principles in the form of review boards or um, offices of chief ethical uh, and humane technology use. Right, that's that's the role that exists at Salesforce, and that's that role sits within the product team because that's where it can have the most impact. So we're seeing a lot of maturity uh, in the tech space, of course. But we're also starting to see it show up in, you know, other places where you wouldn't expect, right? So like, what does tech ethics have to do with with chocolate, right? Nestle is developing uh, data ethics principles, and that's in part to not only comply with GDPR, but anticipate how uh, data uh, management will progress in the future, right? They're explicitly saying that this is part of our sustainability approach and how we're going to deal with data is, you know, a future oriented, future compliance uh, structure, right? And so it's not just about current day GDPR compliance. We're also seeing companies like Porsche uh, talk about the brand value of protecting their luxury consumers data, right? So Porsche is uh, talking about the trust in the brand uh, they really believe that the control over your data has to do with their brand values of freedom, right? The the brand for people to like follow their dreams and, and drive around. So they're introducing not only this kind of set of principles, but they're also introducing features that allow um, users of the you know luxury car to go into private mode and not send data back to the cloud uh, about their performance. Um, and so as all of these you know, we, we don't think of a car necessarily as a technology, but of course, you know, all of these uh, interfaces and, and systems are are talking talking back with the home base, right? And so what is that relationship and how does that change? And, you know, Porsche is in a position to say, we will never sell your data for advertising purposes, right? Um, that's an important uh, position to, to be able to take. I love that example um, of Porsche because it's it's slightly unexpected, although, you know, driving a vehicle is a pretty intimate experience and, you know, it's location data and all those things. Um, so every brand will have its unique take on this, clearly, because it has to connect to their values and, you know, every product is different. Um, I'm going to assume that the senior most tech exec uh, in every company uh, should be paying attention to this, which makes me a little skeptical that they're thinking about the brand. Um, but with that in mind, whoever's responsible for this, what are the steps that need to happen to actually develop this ethical tech strategy? Absolutely. Well, I think we need to 
take into account that it's not just going to be a CIO or a CTO on their own for sure, right? We have to think about, you know, who understands risk in the organization, partner with that person, who understands the kind of uh, legal c considerations, you know, you're going to be partnering with, with the general counsel or the compliance officers as well. But it has to, you know, it needs to have this holistic vision for, you know, what is our company's stance on technology? And so I think there are a lot of early things that uh, tech execs can do to, to focus on this. Um, the first thing is really just to tie company values to technology decisions. So every company probably has, you know, a statement about what their values are or their principles are. And chances are, you know, that might be, might've been developed by an agency or, you know, the HR organization. But what if you took those principles and applied them to your technology use? Like, how would that shape your decisions? How would that inform your choices? And frankly, inform the trade-offs that you're making? Because to me, ethics is actually not a kind of highfalutin, like ivory tower question. It's really a question about how do you make everyday decisions and, and trade-offs, right? And so if you have a values-informed uh, decision-making process about technology where you can say, well, because we value courage, we're going to do this in a different way. Or because we value equity as a company, this is how we're going to apply this, this AI system. So that's, I think that's the first step. There are a lot of other steps, gaining visibility into existing technology ethics efforts. So all of this stuff is happening probably in small pockets in your organization. So you might have folks working on security and privacy by design, or you know, the data, um, the data analytics folks are probably thinking about ethical data use or um, uh, ethical AI in their, in their uh, realms of, of influence. And so I think there's an opportunity for tech execs to really figure out what is going on already and coordinate and, and kind of uh, collaborate on these efforts uh, at a more strategic level, right? Like how much visibility do you have into those to, into those activities. And I and lastly I think, you know, inventory the risks, right? Like the the we're talking a lot about uh you know, there are lots of upsides of of focusing on this and and one of them is brand value and I think that's a squishier thing to understand. Um but of course the downside is is really where the kind of near-term driver sits for for caring about this and so working with risk and security leaders to understand, you know, where the, where the hotspots are, um, you know, how does your data science team conduct an impact assessment? You know, is there a partner whose business model could, you know, deplete the trust that you have, or, you know, how are you deploying low code uh, tools and what kind of misappropriation of data might happen as a result of distributing all of this kind of computing power throughout the organization? And so I think there's an opportunity to really take a clear look at where the risks are in your organization. Yeah. So um, I, I want to talk more about the payoff. Um, what's the ROI behind this whole thing? I understand what it means for the brand, but what's the real ROI to taking a strategy like this seriously? Yeah, so I, I go back to uh, this really interesting data point that we discovered. Um, future fit firms are twice as likely to adopt a business code of ethics. 
uh, than traditional IT firms. And so there is like future fit firms are outperforming and, you know, there is a clear correlation that they are also thinking about ethics. To be fair, they are only 26% of them are thinking about ethics. And so there is this huge gap between, yes, this is an indicator of higher performance. And yet, you know, it's still a huge opportunity for, for focusing uh, the attention there. So um, that's the clearest cut of, of, you know, there is an actual differentiation here um, that, you know, we can, we can measure. I think even for um, the tech companies who are starting on their journeys and kind of uh, operationalizing some of these efforts, they're still not in a position to be able to tie um, clear metrics. And I think they're in the process of developing what those real metrics are, whether it's how do you measure brand value impact of this? How do you tie ethics work to upselling in sales or um, kind of uh, ethical deployment because you've got all these principles for how to use AI, right? Salesforce uh, talked a lot about how they're really starting to see that connection between um, product development. Um, one of the things they they talked about was, um, you know, developers are motivated by writing new code. They don't like to go back and, and fix bugs. And so if, if we can tie responsible and ethical tech processes to reduction of bugs, then we have a clear indication for that stakeholder, right? To, to, as to why this is valuable. So I think we're very much in this, the, um, kind of feeling our way around trying to, to trying to pin down how to, how to, um, monitor or how to, um, evaluate the impact of, of these efforts. Um, but the, there are lots of, um, of metrics that we can start to think about. All right. Fantastic, Sarah. So, uh, let's make the call then here because you basically called out technology. You said technology has a trust issue. Um, what are tech execs or uh, industry players, what do they need to do to regain trust? I think that, that technology leaders and the technology industry and, and even the technologies themselves can't afford to ignore the ethical debt issues that they've accrued. And so we are in this moment where we have to reevaluate what the impacts are of technology on a bunch of different stakeholders. And that is the only path forward to, to regaining trust. Well, that sounds like we got a lot of work to do. For sure. Thank you for all this. This is a really interesting topic. I'm sure it's not the last time we'll talk about it. I appreciate it. Thanks, Keith. If you like what you heard today, be sure to check out Sarah's session at the upcoming Technology and Innovation North America event happening live in Austin, Texas, and virtually September 29th and 30th. To learn more, visit 4.com slash TI22. That's F-O-R-R dot com slash TI22. Thanks for listening.